Hello, and welcome once again to Two Girls in a Pod. I'm Sharon. I'm Christy. Hope all are doing well. Today, we're actually going to start a little segment series on relationships, how to make them healthy if they're not, you know, and even if they are healthy, how do we keep making them even more healthy? Because as we're all on individual journeys, but when we're in relationships, those relationships are on a journey as well and how they morph and change as time goes on. Today, we're starting with just mine and Christy's relationship, kind of how did it start and how did we get to where we are today, 20 years later, and I think still going strong. I think so. Hmm, I don't know. I wanted that to be a little more convincing, but okay, no. I think one of the things I think that's important in our relationship is we both have a sense of humor. And I think that we use that sense of humor and we like to laugh with each other. You know, when you oft- we often will say, it feels really good when we get to laugh with each other. And so we try to do that at least daily if we can fit it in. But it's something I think that's really important to relationships. You know, we've talked about that just like recently even. Yeah. Well, oh, she's a woman of few words today. <laughs> you know, talk about communication and now we're not on communication anymore. Now she gets all quiet. <laughs> no. But why is humor important to you? Why do you, because we talk about that a lot. Well, of course it's important. I just think that a lot of times people take things too seriously and you have to have a sense of humor about things. And that's what helps things to work. Even in a relationship is having that, I think that not camaraderie, but I guess that kind of connection. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's important, but we're going to kind of backtrack just a little bit to talk a little bit more about how our relationship started. And we actually started this relationship in on the Western Slope of Colorado in Palisade, had moved there, renting an apartment. Christy was across the way. Her parents were the landlords. And we would have morning coffee with the ladies there. And so Christy would come over, sit on the stairs. She did not drink coffee at that time. And she would just sit there and would speak very little. And then one day, we just started having a conversation. Yeah. And she started drinking coffee. Now, oh my goodness, if she doesn't have her morning coffee, mm-mm. yeah, she's really learned to like it a lot. <laughs> but why are you so quiet at first? Was it just? Well, I'm just, I think I'm that way by nature. So I think it just was who I was at that time. And I feel like I still am pretty quiet in most situations, but I'm, you know, learning to find my voice. So, but it was our friendship that helped me to open up and really get to know you better. And it was so cool because we found that we could talk for hours and we had so many interests that were alike and we got to introduce each other to different interests that we didn't know we would like, but we've kind of learned to like. So it's kind of one of those things. And Oftentimes when I'm doing couples therapy, I ask them, well, why are you guys together? You know, what started this? And oftentimes they'll say, oh, we just were best friends. And I says, well, I understand what happened to the friendship. And I think sometimes people go from great friendships into marriage and somehow they think they're somehow separate. And I think it's not that they're separate. I think it's such an integral part of the marriage. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people forget how they started out with that friendship. When a relationship starts that way, I think that's one of the best basis for a relationship. I mean, when you start off as friends like that, it becomes so much easier to confide and to just share. And when you start with that, I think that it really helps the relationship even on down the road. Well, I agree because I don't think it stops. And you know, one of the things is, is that when I'm doing therapy, I'll ask people, would you ever treat your best friend the way you just treated your spouse or your child or that? And they'll be there like, no. Well, that's why we should be marrying our best friends. And that's why our kids should be our friends to some degree, because we have the separation in our head that somehow those people, you know, we're not going to treat those people badly, but we will do things to the people we love. And if you're married to your best friend and you wouldn't do that to your best friend, then you're definitely not going to do that to the person that you're married to. And, you know, I'm using the term marriage, but it can be partnerships, whatever anybody uses in that terminology. It's not just, I'm not just saying, because we're definitely not the traditional (laughs) marriage. So we're not talking about traditional in that way. We're talking about marriage or we're talking about committed relationships. But how do we keep those and, and how do we maintain it, sustain it and build those relationships? I think that one of the things that you have to keep in mind and when you're looking at a relationship like that is not viewing that other person as someone you own. It's not about ownership. And I think that that's a lot of the times where people suffer in relationships. Absolutely. Because when it's a friendship, when you say to somebody, this is my best friend and stuff, we don't view it as an ownership. And I tell people, when we start to understand that committed relationships are a gift, it is something that we give to the other person. And it's a gift that I tell people we should cherish and we should nurture and we should really take care of. And so that gift, and I agree with you, Christy, when we switch that and we make it about ownership, that this person somehow belongs to us or they can only love us or we have now shifted out of a friendship and we've shifted into something else. But for some reason, people, they switch and something in their brain switches and they forget the very foundation that brought them to the place of that committed relationship, which was the friendship, you know, and in those friendships, I think you're right. You learn to share things and you learn to be comfortable and to trust in that person that when you do share things, they're going to, they're going to really take care of that information, you know, and not use it against you. And I think that for us, we would just talk, like I said, for hours, and we had so much in common. But at the same time, there was so much for us to learn. And I tell people, even at 20 years, we've had a friendship for it's 23 years, something like that. I tell people, We still find things we don't know about each other because as we're evolving as individuals, we're learning more about ourselves. Things that we didn't even know, maybe a like, a dislike, or whatever that is, a thought process that changes. And so then it's like, oh, great. Now I have a new discovery. And oh my gosh, I get to share it with my best friend, Christy, who's also my wife. And I, and it's just such an amazing feeling to be able to do that. What's always 
interesting to watch that other person grow. And it's really an honor to be a part of that. I think if that person, you know, really holds that space in your life, you're excited to get to see their evolution as well. And I think that as you go along, there are so many things that you get to explore together. We have talked about how that we have gone and visited different places that maybe we've been individually to by ourselves, you know, prior to knowing each other. But we go back to those places together to experience it together because it's a different experience than when we went on our own, you know, you know, wherever it's at. I think that it's really cool to be able to experience it with that other person. And that's what it becomes about is having that experience. Well, I think a good example of that was our trip to Yellowstone because I had been there and there was something about Yellowstone I just really loved. I love the outdoor. I, I'm an, I love the outdoors anyway. And I think that if I had introduced this to you even five years ago or 10 years ago, it wouldn't have had the same feel to it that when we went now, you were in such a different place as well. Definitely, because, I mean, growing up, I was not a hiker or anything like that. I didn't really get outdoors in that. I remember taking a few vacations when I was younger with family where that it was more about an outdoor thing. And I don't think I had the appreciation for it that I do now. So that's even part of that evolution individually is realizing that when you go back, it's going to be a different experience. But just having it with that other person to share, that's what's really cool, I think, about the relationship part of it. I do too. And I think that, you know, when you get to experience that, you have the version. So I had the version of Yellowstone where I was at at the time I went. And then when we went, I got to see it through the way you experienced it for the first time. And so it shifted my experience too. And when we when we took this hike with a good friend of ours, Kathy, it wasn't marked really well. So we just kept going and going, but it turned out to be this amazing experience for us that we could all talk about. And it was, it had this almost fairy tale. I don't know. What would you call it? Oh yeah. It was definitely the, just the whole experience walking through that forest. It just felt magical. It was really a neat experience and I'm glad I got to share it with two really good friends. Yeah. So those are the, you know, when we talk about those experiences and the, and, and how we're on this evolution that, you know, once again, 10 years ago, I don't think Christy would have appreciated it the way she did now that hiking and nature and just such a being a city girl and now getting into nature. Would you ever think that like growing up that? (laughs) No, I mean, I've always loved to travel to different places and see different things, but I wasn't really necessarily about outdoors or nature and that. So it's a very different experience for me altogether. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, you know, now we plan vacation. That's one of a passion that we both share is we love to travel. And we have those vacations, you know, when we're going down to Cancun or, you know, down into Mexico to the different places we've been. Those are our, what we call our lazy vacations. Pool, ocean, ocean, pool. I mean, we do that all day long, you know. And then we have those where, you know, it's Yellowstone or it's places that we're going and even we will find somewhere to get out, hike, Lake Havasu, 
which was our last one, which was very, very hot. But it didn't stop us from getting out there and and being with nature and hiking and really enjoying that time as well. So it's like we have the passion, but it, and it, it's changed. You know, we had our first trip to Europe because both of us, we had apprehension about the long flight. And we talked about Europe for how long? A long time. But nine hours was the longest flight we had ever taken. So, yeah, I was a little nervous about that, but we made it really well. Yeah, and we had a this amazing time, and it just made us want to travel more and more, you know. So that's another thing that we look at is, you know, all of this, once again, how our relationships morph and change. Having that, once again, that strong friendship. And, you know, our first episodes were about communication. You will hear constantly as we talk, we're always talking about communication. And I think that's one of the big things in mine and Christy's relationship is we communicate we talk. And even sometimes when it's stuff that's not comfortable, we will still have those conversations. And even if it's those uncomfortable things or feelings are being hurt or are hurt or whatever, we have those conversations, but we still, when it's done, we come back and it's right back into that very loving, nurturing relationship, or I think anyway. I believe so. I think that Well, as in with any relationship, communication is like the main key. And I feel like that in our relationship, we do that really well. And yes, there are times where perhaps one of us isn't listening the way that we should be. And so the the message gets lost a little bit before we come around to it. But I think that we've done amazing at that over time. Yeah, I think that early on it was... uh... But by nature, you and I are not big confrontational argument. We're not really big on that. And I think for some people they that know Christy and I, they would find it hard to believe that I am even less. I'm not one to really argue and stuff. I, I'm not one to quick temper. And that's something that you've worked on is kind of through meditation and stuff like that. You now don't, you've changed so much. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, I think that... I stayed quiet for a really long time. And I think that in doing that, it built up a lot in me. So I was quick to anger a lot of times. But I feel like that I've really worked on that and I've gotten better about it. And a lot of people wouldn't think that. A lot of I come across as pretty chill, I guess, with people and I pretty laid back. That's what I hear most of the time. But I did have issue with that for a while. And for the most part now, I feel like that I'm in a much better place. So I can communicate what's going on much better. Absolutely. And, you know, like I said in one of the other podcasts, you know, she has this amazing ability to articulate a feeling or a taste. I mean, I crack up laughing just because when she's talking about taste, she does this amazing thing that you can actually visualize. So she has this amazing ability of communication and I think she's right. She was just silent for so long in different ways that that has now gotten so, you know, it, that's not an issue right now. You finding your voice. And I, and like we talk, everybody needs to have their voice. They have to know their truth and they have to be able to speak their truth. And one of the things is, and, and I always hope this is that I've always been encouraging of that. I invite conversation and 
I think that was kind of a struggle for you at first because you weren't used to it. Right. And I think, yeah, you always have been encouraging of that, but I had to learn to trust that if I did talk to you about things that were bothering me or whatever, that I didn't have to worry about your reaction, you know, that you, I knew that you would be accepting and understanding and really try to listen to why I felt the way I did. Like I said, we have this amazing relationship, but we don't want people to sit there and think, oh, wow, they have this amazing relationship and it's perfect. And absolutely not. We went through a period that was really, really difficult for us about seven years into the relationship. Christy's dad actually got ill and he passed away and it was such a devastating thing for you. But you talk a little bit more about that because that's yours. Yeah, that was, um, of course, a really difficult time for me. And I struggled with how to deal with that. And I felt mostly anger at that time. I couldn't even tell you why I was angry, but I just knew that that's primarily what I felt. And I think to complicate matters is shortly after her dad had had passed away, I actually caught meningitis. And so I was extremely ill. And it was a very terrifying moment for her because she really, at that moment, thought she was going to lose me as well. And so that would have been two really significant losses to her. And But there was a time where it was really difficult for me Meningitis really messes with you in a lot of ways. And so it took me about three months to recover from it, probably a little longer than that, to have a full, full recovery. But I couldn't be there for her to even help her through her grief and loss because I couldn't. It was very hard for me to formulate things in my head and to even fully get what was going on sometimes. So it really makes your brain just a little bit off. And And so it was such a difficult time. And so at that time, our communication was off, but in a lot because I couldn't communicate. I couldn't make the things come out right. I could feel what she was feeling and I would want to help, but it was so hard for me to to have the energy too, because it was just such a, a hard thing to recover from. And so we went through a period and it took us about a year little over a year? Probably a year. Because you were angry. But then I had to realize, and I told her, I said, I can't. This is, I'm not your therapist. I'm your spouse. I am in this with you. So I'm, I'm having all these emotions with you. And I felt helpless. Yeah. I feel like that you were there as much as you could be, especially on an emotional level. But I know that cognitively, you could not be there for me the way that I know you normally would. But even though I knew that it was not your fault, I felt so alone at that time that I think that that was part of what fed the anger. I can't really say, like I said, why I was truly angry up to that point, but I just, the loss of of my dad and then feeling so alone in that situation because you were hurting. And so I was just, I felt so devastated at that time that that's all I could feel was anger. And then what ended up, how did you, because, you know, it was something we had to deal with together, but it was your 
it was more your emotional journey. It was mine in that I got sucked in, not sucked into it. That's not a good term to use. I became a participant because I love you and because I didn't know. And like I said, I felt so helpless to, it's something that I do every day in my practice is help people with grief and loss and things like that. And I just felt so helpless because I just felt like I couldn't do it. I couldn't be what I should have been for you at that moment. You couldn't be effective because you couldn't give focus. You were, you know, but you were in a lot of pain and that. And I understood that. And eventually it's like, as time went on, I think that that's what helped is, you know, just, just the time and your patience because you continued to be there and give love even when I wasn't able to show it. And I think with grief and loss, and I tell people, you know, grief and loss is one of those things that you really have to process and you really have to to hold space for people and do things like that so that you can get through it. Because if you don't have that ability and if you don't do that, then it morphs into something else. And that's kind of what happened with you. Yeah. I feel like that there wasn't you didn't have the ability to hold that space for me in that way. And I was having to be there for you because you were not feeling well. And there was the worry and concern over what was going to happen with you because it was a very scary situation. And then what was my recommendation to you? Cause I couldn't help you. You had suggested that I talk with someone, which I ended up doing I don't know that that felt that was as effective as I hoped it would be, but I mean, maybe it did help hearing myself talk. <laughs> I don't know. I told her I uh, when she talked to me and her therapist that she had, and I was just there like, I hope you don't think that that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, so I would go to these therapy sessions, and I really felt like that the lady was using that as her nap time. She would just sit there with her eyes closed and mouth open. <laughs> So I didn't really feel like I was being heard there either. Yeah, so maybe not the best fit or whatever, but I think that maybe she's right, maybe hearing herself and then being willing to, because it wasn't getting better at a fast enough rate, not that we were looking for speed, but the longer it was continuing, making sure that she could get a handle on it quicker. Yeah, I ended up, going on a medication for a little while and it did seem to help. So, and I think that really is where it began the return to myself. And I think that, you know, there's so much, the turning point for our relationship is we finally just got to take a vacation. We went to Vegas for Thanksgiving. We really needed downtime and we really needed space. We loved our, we love our family dearly, but it was about, we, we, we were so much going through all of this turmoil and stuff within our relationship. And we went to Vegas and it was actually a really amazing time in a weird way, because I think it was that it was something pivotal at that moment because Christy slept for the first about day and a half. I mean, just slept. And I just am there in the room like, wow, this is fun. I just felt so extremely exhausted. And I think it was like, just an emotional dump that I just, I couldn't function. So here we are in Vegas, one of the most exciting places to be hanging out. And yeah, I was just 
asleep for, like you said, the first day and a half. That's all I could do. When I say the whole, I'm serious. It was like, uh, do you want to eat? No. And just, and I just stayed in the room with her and we just hung out. And then, but it was like, once she did that, and then it was like, energy came back and we went out, we had a really great time. It was really one of our best times. And, but it was, once again, I had to hold space for her. I, it wasn't about just me. And in relationships, it's learning when it's not just about you. Did I want to go and have fun, sit by the pool, do all that kind of stuff? Absolutely. But it wasn't about that at that moment. And in relationships, it's, it's having that awareness for the person that you love and being aware of what they're going through and knowing that you can't fix it, but you also don't have to make it worse. You don't have to put extra pressure. You don't have to do those things. I didn't have any desire to make this process any harder for her than it already was. You gave me that time and that space to recover. And that's what I needed. And I think the reason that it was as successful as it was, what was due to the fact that we are best friends and we cherish that friendship. We communicate, like I said, often, and we can talk about anything from philosophy to not liking moths to, it doesn't matter. We can talk, we will find topics to talk about. We will read articles and talk about them with each other. We will ask questions like, hmm, I wonder why this is this way or what, it doesn't matter. I think that's what's cool in a relationship. You know, you, once you've established that friendship and that trust and, and everything that goes into that, just like I said, the experiences that you get to have as you go along, that's what kind of keeps it exciting. Just talking about so many different things that And we love to explore all kinds of things together, all different topics. So we read articles, come back, talk about them, and just things like that. That's what keeps it interesting. And I think even through that time, we never stopped doing that. We continue to have the, regardless of how emotional it was, and, and there was a lot of emotion because, like she said, she dealt in anger. And... There was nobody to be angry with other than me. And I knew I had to realize I couldn't take that on. You know, we've talked about not taking on other people's things. I knew that it was not at me. It didn't feel good, but I also knew she wasn't angry with me. I knew that anger was just a symptom of what she was going, that what was going on with her. So it wasn't like I sat there and attacked the anger and I didn't attack how she felt. Now, did we have heated conversations or I don't know if you would call them a conversation? Because I think that is the time in our relationship that we had the most back and forth that I would call negative. But even like with that, we don't name call in the years. And we've been in our friendship and through this, we have never name called. That's something that we agree not to do. It's one of our fair fighting rules. We've established over time in our relationship. And we also give each other space. We've gotten even better and better at that. We've been together longer. And Christy said it was a fair fighting rule. And I work with couples about fair fighting rules. Set up boundaries and parameters around that. 
set up fair fighting rules. Our last one was about boundaries. While this is a huge boundary in relationships, there are certain things that are unacceptable. For us, it's name calling. We do not name call. And even when I talk with my clients about this, what do you mean fair fighting? It sounds like an oxymoron. But the thing is, is it's not. It means that if I'm going to fight, let's have some fairness to it. And ours, like I said, is that that thing of not name calling. We also don't, we do our best not to get in each other's bubble when we're upset. We don't do aggression like that. And the reason why is because then you have to go back and you got to fix that and it just doesn't feel good. So we just don't do it. But in relationships, fair fighting rules, super important. Sitting down. If there is something that is just one of those things that's a hard no for you, a word used, whatever it is, have that voice, set that down, and then work on honoring that. Because it's one thing to set the rule, but it's another thing to have that conscious awareness and to do it with intention to keep those those rules. Has that been hard for you? No, I don't feel like it. I feel like that we have enough respect for each other that that's we're able to abide by those boundaries that each other has. And even when Christy was at her most angry, there was still no name calling and stuff. It's interesting to me that even in those moments, because it was hard for her. It was an extremely difficult time. It was very hard for her, but there was never name calling. So it's almost like you you make that boundary early on and it's like it's it's just buried in you and it's just such a a part of the relationship that maybe that's why you don't do it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you have to prioritize in relationships and you have to understand where that person is coming from. Having empathy is a huge thing, I think, in any relationship, but just knowing that that's a hard no for you, especially, I mean, it is for me too, but I feel like that I, even at my angriest, I still honored that. And I don't know, it's just, I guess that's something that you, once you set that in your mind and you stick to it, then it's important to you to stick to it for yourself and for that other person. I agree. And I think what was interesting, it was kind of after that time period, we started this evolution. And I think that's kind of what jump started for us, this journey we've been on for really focusing on that strong mental health, physical health, you know, our spiritual health, that's, that was kind of a pivotal moment for us, you know, and then both being unemployed, you know, we had time. So that was another thing, you know, we used that downtime to, it took us a minute, we, you know, we had to adjust to that too. It was a very hard time for us, very grateful for our parents and for our neighbor who was just phenomenal through that time. But instead of sitting and wallowing in all of that, we actually, once again, communicated, started walking, started talking. I really feel like we came together during that time. A lot of times I, you know, see that it seems like couples end up squabbling when there's like financial stressors and things like that. I am so grateful that during that time, I feel like that we used it just to be closer together and really unite to look forward to what was going to change because we knew that was a temporary moment. 
but I feel like that we used the time to the best of our ability. And yes, we started walking at that time and just spending time talking about our goals and what was, how things were going to change. And it really actually brought us together. And I'm really grateful for that. And I think sometimes we do have those pivotal moments. And I think that you're right. A lot of times what people do is that's a time that they shut down instead of talk, instead of communicate. And I think that's where the end starts for a lot of uh, relationships, not understanding that that's when we do have to talk. Talk about if you're feeling insecure, talk about the sadness, talk about the anger, talk about the hopes, the dreams, all of those things. And I think that's what we did. We talked a little bit about the, the the negative piece of it, but then we just totally shifted it and said no, and really started to say, what is it that we want? What are we, what are those goals? What are we working towards? How do we get there? How do we do it in a way that we are doing it? That's helping us to be healthy in all those areas that are important to us and not doing harm to anybody else in our journey. And I think that, like I said, was such a pivotal time. And it's really been just this incredible time period since then. And the same thing, you know, with last year with COVID, we had a lot of people, their relationships struggled and all that. We were once again, the complete opposite. We were there like, oh my God, we can't, there's no gym to go to work out. So we bought workout equipment. We we said we shift everything and we and that's what we did. We we didn't want to make it a totally negative thing, but we were both we both had to be on board with it, I think. Yeah. I think that in any relationship, whether it be, you know, intimate kind of relationship or whatever it is, the best thing that you can do as a person is give the best version of yourself. Work on yourself and in getting healthier and just all aspects, anything that you can work on to improve, you have more to offer to that other person. And I agree. And I think that what makes it even better is that, you know, this is a journey that we do together. And, you know, when they say, you know, when you're working out or any of those things, having somebody to do it with really does enhance it. And there's truth to that. There really is. Because sometimes when we're in doing our morning steps and stuff, we're doing gratitude statements. You know, we're really talking and we, we really shift the focus to, oh my gosh. And, you know, we do have a wonderful life and I am very grateful for it every day. And I feel we are truly blessed in that. And, but we have to remember to say it. We have to remember to communicate those things because when we communicate those things, it reminds us that the work that we're doing is paying off. And in relationships, we have to remind ourselves that that communication, that show of empathy, those boundaries, all of those things that make up those healthy relationships that we are talking to each other about them so that we, when we do that, we do more of it. We're reinforcing that. And we're saying, oh my gosh, if talking, you know, was such a great conversation, let's have another one. You know, you showed me empathy and it helped me. And therefore I can show empathy back. Those things are important. Trust is important in relationships. But, you know, I always ask people when I do uh, couples and I said, what's the most important part of a relationship? They said trust. Oftentimes they'll say trust. I will tell you the most important part of any relationship, any relationship is communication because the person isn't going to know trust. I have to still communicate it somehow, whether it's verbal or nonverbal. 
I, you, unless it's communicated, love is still communicated. I have to be able to communicate it verbally and through my behaviors in order, because it just reinforces. And so communication is still that foundation. Would you agree with that? Or Yes, definitely. That's the most important um, aspect, I think. And I think that when we, and when, and I think once again, when we stop talking and sometimes we stop talking because we're being, we, we're being reactive to the other person. And so if the other person stops talking, well, our reaction becomes, well, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to talk to them. They're not talking to me. So now we have two people not talking and no communication is, or the communication that's being conveyed is through that body language and stuff. And it's not positive communication. So in order to have these stronger relationships, we have to learn how to communicate. We have to be comfortable in speaking our truth that the other person will honor and respect it. And we don't have to agree with it all the time. And we don't have to like it, but to honor and respect it, to listen with that intention is so important in making a healthy relationship. And I'm always grateful that even through the time of having meningitis, that I still had the ability to have empathy and not make it about me. Because had I done that, then the thing becomes that resentment or whatever. And then th that starts that shutdown of communication. And I have gratitude that Christy, even through that time, never stopped talking to me. We did not our friendship did not stop. Those are the things that help us heal. Because every relationship, I don't care what relationship it is, you will have trials. You will have those times when stuff outside our control happens that impacts us. And that stuff that happens that impacts us that we don't control, I get that. But I will say this, I control or I should be controlling my reaction and responses to those circumstances. And oftentimes we're letting circumstances and we're letting other things get in the way of that. And there are people often will think this is too hard and they'll get out of that relationship, not understanding that every relationship you're in is still going to have, you, you still have to navigate it. You still have to put the best version of you in that relationship. And I feel like the best version of you comes through your communication with that person, but you have to be aware. And so sometimes it's not always about coming out of a healing situation where that there was, you know, something that happened. It happens, I think, even too. communication shuts down when people get complacent and they are going to work and they're just doing their thing and they're, you know, operating on autopilot and they're not realizing that they aren't taking that time to really communicate with that person. I think that's really a good point. And I think that we do become so complacent. That complacency, you know, we do the same thing. It's like, oh, going to work, peck on the cheek, come home, peck on the cheek. But there's no feeling behind the peck on the cheek. And the other person starts to realize we're not conveying a feeling because Maybe we're tired and all of this. And I tell people, you know, people say, well, I, I'm too tired. I don't have time. But those are all excuses. And what I mean by that is I tell people it is not the quantity of time that we're talking about here. It is that quality of time. 
if you're five minutes, if you give somebody five minutes, but you are listening with intention, you are showing empathy, you are engaging with them for five minutes. I think everybody is worth five minutes. And I think every relationship should be worth five minutes. Especially if it's someone that you claim to love. Exactly. And people get overwhelmed because I think in their head, they think it's time. They think it's, oh my gosh, I have to do 30 minutes here. No, sometimes, and sometimes our schedule can be very, very busy. And even though we work together, it doesn't mean we have that time together because we're actually working, you know? And so we find that time in between, even if it's right before bed or in the morning when we're doing our morning workouts, we still find time in our morning coffee. We make the time because it's important for us to always be talking, communicating. And it doesn't matter what we're talking about. It's that I think the bigger thing is that I know when I'm talking to Christy, she's listening most of the time. Depends on the topic. And I feel like I listen to her depending on the topic. (laughs) No, we do our best in that. But can we get better? Absolutely. There's always room for improvement. But sometimes it's just acknowledging what that other person's going through. Like you said, even just taking five minutes, maybe they're all in their heads struggling with something over something at work or that, but they don't communicate it. But even if you guys, you know, take that five minutes to to talk about it and and find out what's going on with that person, then I feel like that it can really pay off. And so, you know, as we're wrapping up today, we just wanted to share a little bit of our story so that when we're talking about relationships, we don't want anybody to think that we have this perfect, because there's no such thing as perfect. We're constantly evolving in it. And sometimes we screw up and, you know, we have to go back and start again, so to speak. And, but that we get the opportunity to do that and that we both agree that we're on this journey together and we embrace the changes and, and we embrace learning new things. And those things are important in relationships. So the takeaways for today, I think, are when you're, when it's your best friend that you're married to, nurture that relationship, take care of it like you would your other friendships. And if you're not, then we've got this backwards. We're not doing what we should be in our relationship. Communicate, keep your voice, talk about things, even things that you might not think are relevant they still matter. Explore different things with each other. Learn what somebody else's hobby is. Take an interest in it. It may not be your cup of tea, but at least listen with intention. Set those fair fighting boundaries. If it's something that just really doesn't work for you, set that boundary and then do your best to honor and respect it To and remember relationships are gifts. They are not ownership. Treat it like a gift. Take care of it. Yeah. And in taking care of yourself, you can take better care of your relationship. So we are so happy that you joined us today. We're going to continue with relationships. So we're going to have, we're going to talk about different types of relationship, parent-child relationships. How do we make 
relationships work, whether it's that in our work environment, whether it's our friendships, our family, our friends, relationships in general, and how do we nurture those and set up the parameters we have to with them. But how do we truly enjoy them and just have gratitude for them and work at making them stronger and better? So until next time, be well, be kind, and treat each other in these relationships with the kindness that they deserve. Goodbye. Bye.